The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode number 30. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Thank you, Sal. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, the movies, and all the rest. And today we're discussing Star Trek The Next Generation's the episode from the fourth season called Clues. And joining me today to get a clue on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Howdy, but I have no clue why I'm here. <laughs> it was Colonel Mustard in the drawing room. <laughs> exactly. Well, before we get started, remember, folks, please like Secrets of Star Trek on uh, Facebook, on the SQPN Facebook page. Uh, if you go to the Facebook page, find the link to this episode and like it. Leave us a comment. Join the conversation. We love to hear from you. Get your feedback that way. Share the episode to your friends. Uh, share it on Twitter as well. Uh, to get the news out. And if you don't subscribe to the show, if you're just like, say, going to the website and clicking the play button, try subscribing to it uh, on your in the podcast app on your iPhone or one of the various podcatcher apps. Uh, you can subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, like I said, your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can uh, listen to it on TuneIn on your Amazon Echo device. Perhaps you got one for Christmas. Uh, you can listen on YouTube. And if you do, subscribe on YouTube. Click the bell to make sure you get notifications when a new episode gets posted. And above all, please share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow our community and reach more folks. Uh, I want to, like as I uh, briefly alluded to there, Happy New Year, folks. Happy New Year, Father Corey and Jimmy. Well, Happy New Year. You too, and to the listeners. And uh, we... Uh, as we enter the new year, I, I want to kind of mention just uh, a, one of our other podcasts that you may be interested in. Uh, Jimmy and I have been producing the Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World for several months now, and uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. We think uh, Star Trek uh, fans would enjoy it, uh, certainly. Oh, yeah. Um, it We cover a lot of ground, a lot of different things, whether it's uh, supernatural phenomena, uh, natural mysteries, political mysteries, uh, historical things. Um, We really cover it all. It's so much fun. I'm getting so much great feedback from people. Uh, And so you should check it out. Go to sqpn.com slash mysterious. uh, See what you think of the show. And we, we, yeah, I know what you're going to think. You're going to love it. Uh, So (laughs) go check it out. So uh, we're talking this time about uh, clues. Uh, we've we've we last time we talked about Star Trek: The Next Generation. We talked we talked about the encounter at Farpoint. Now we've jumped to uh, uh, season four. Uh, we this is you know around about the middle part of the Star Trek: The Next Generation run. Uh, this episode yeah. aired in February of 1991. So this is a the show is well established now. The characters are well established. Um, and, and we've now hit the seasons where, for this time, we've hit the seasons where the show was regarded as, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders. Yes. Exactly. And this, I think this episode is a good example of that. 
Um, it's not perfect, of course, but um, no. it's but it's it's actually it's a good solid episode of Next Gen. Um, it and it's a it's got a bit of a unique premise uh, and and a definitely a Star Trek um, uh, wrap up to it, a Star Trek sort of solution to the issue of the week. Um, so uh, the the basic premise is the crew of the Enterprise wakes up after apparently passing through a wormhole, finding mysteries surrounding their blackout. Data is acting suspiciously. Frankly, when is he not? Uh, and it prompts the command staff to wonder, has Data been compromised in some way? So, uh, <laughs> so the... Uh, Maybe the Data has been corrupted. Yes, the Ooh. Data has been corrupted. That's very good. Uh, we have... Uh, one thing I want to point out is... Um, First, the the script for this episode came from was sent in by a fan. Actually, it's a spec script sent mm-hmm. by a fan, not from the writing staff. And mm. uh, they the producers liked it and it took it in and had it, they had to rewrite it a bit because the script included Wesley, who uh, a few episodes ago departed for Starfleet Academy and and that sort of thing. But uh, in general, this is pretty much a fan idea, which is an interesting and, one. And that's something that Star Trek was rather unique in that it has accepted fan submissions uh, beginning. I, I, I don't know. Even in the original series, they did some of that, but particularly beginning with the next generation, they made a point of opening solicitations to members of the fan community. And most TV shows do not do that. They have their writing staffs and the writing staff people are the only ones who get to contribute. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, the, the, in the early days of social media and online, you know, activity, the bulletin boards, a lot of times producers and writers had to say, look, you cannot pitch stuff to me. You can't mention ideas to me or I have to right. leave for legal reasons right. because, you know, we could get sued for stealing your idea, even if we don't, if we come up exactly. with something that's similar. Um, but this was a, a case where uh, where a fan submission was actually uh, accepted. And it's also what was called a bottle show. Um, which means yep. uh, sort of like ship in a bottle. Um, yep. It's shot on existing sets. No new sets had to be built with no guest actors, just the, the regular uh, crew of actors, um, which was a, uh, frankly, a money saver. <laughs> for, yeah, for that's that why moment. that's why that's why TV series do bottle shows is so that they can save money. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's whenever whenever you have just a you know a ship based episode or an well, episode in in an office like if it's an office based show or whatever they can they can crank those out a lot quicker a lot easier a lot cheaper like a clip show I I, I should I should mention yeah and clip shows are another cost saving device they're the reason that programs do clip shows with the exception of the bottle show episode of Community and the clip show episode of Community because uh, <laughs> Community was such a made up bizarre comedy series that when they did a a, a a a a bottle episode it was specifically to take the concept of a bottle episode and turn it on its head and when they did a clip show it was again to turn the concept of a clip show on its head so all of the clips they showed us were brand new footage we had never seen before <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome that's awesome uh good so uh so the, the the way it starts, so the teaser is um, we have uh, the, the 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 captain's log. Picard is saying that they they just had a mission at uh, Harakis Five, and now the uh, the crew of the Enterprise has some downtime for people to pursue oh, personal specific interests. specifically. What he says is the that they're pursuing the leisure activities that are a normal part of life aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> 
(laughs) Yeah, that's so believable. Yeah, the normal part of life on the Enterprise is red alert. (laughs) (laughs) Then much leisure time on the Enterprise. So uh, was the Star Trek or the Love Boat? I I couldn't tell. Well, there was there was yoga on the uh, the the Lido deck with the wharf. yeah, it, it sort of it lurches inconsistently between the love boat and and red alert. <laughs> so yeah, I, li- the, uh, I like the Klingon Tai Chi that was going on that the that mm-hmm. Worf was leading. It just it just kind of reinforced the idea that the, the Enterprise D was just a giant flying resort hotel in space, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? With with powerful weaponry. Uh, now, of course, exactly. the important bit here uh, is we had uh, revealed that Doctor uh, Crusher was conducting an experiment with. Diomedian Scarlet Moss. Oh, not Diomedian Scarlet Moss. Yes, Diomedian Scarlet Moss, which Picard immediately recognizes later on. I just I thought that was yeah. a, a kind of funny. Um, but but the big one, which is a bit of a misdirection, because I thought this was going to be a Dixon Hill episode, um, right. mm. which is Picard and Guinan. He decides to show Guinan the Dixon Hill program, uh, holodeck program. Um, and we have this whole big scene that starts um, but it's really a, a, a setup for Picard to talk about, you know, pursuing clues and mysteries that we, you know, yeah. uh, and, and and finding clues everywhere. And Whoopi Goldberg was available for a cameo. So why not? Exactly. Right. Her yeah. occasional. I, I, I did. I, I did like, you know, her persona as Gloria from Cleveland. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> that was nice. I, I, I what I really like, though, is where. Uh, Dixon Hill's secretary is talking on the phone because Data, instead of using the intercom, right, has has phoned the his <laughs> yeah, Dixon exactly. Hill's fictional office in the holodeck. <laughs> yes, and and we hear the secretary saying, "There's no Captain Picard here. Maybe you should try down at the docks. There's lots of captains down there. <laughs> you know, and so which is would make sense and in, in, in in the port of San Francisco. <laughs> right, right. You know, and and what? also the, there's a that this moment where like. Guinan is she's trying to become part of the 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 story, but she can't get in. Like the the secretary is nope, you're not allowed in. Nope, he's not taking any visitors. Nope. And then she calls in. Nope, never heard no Gloria from Cleveland. And it's like, hey, like what what's going on? Why I'm trying to be part of yeah. your thing. And then when she goes in, he's being held at gunpoint. And we yeah. hear uh, Patrick Stewart do the worst Brooklyn accent ever, like worse <laughs> than mine. It's terrible. Uh, so uh, maybe maybe uh, Patrick Stewart did it on purpose to, to do it. Oh, I, 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 I'm sure that was absolutely done on purpose to just mock the the fake accents. <laughs> hmm. So uh, his, his Brooklyn accent was better than Dick Van Dyke doing a Cockney accent. I mean, it was less painful. Uh, yes, yes, uh, much <laughs> yeah. more, that is less painful. Or me doing a Scottish accent. So, uh, <laughs> by, by the way, why? So when Data finally gets through to him, it's because. They found an unusual star, and they're going to launch a probe at it. And well, for that, you got to interrupt the captain in the rec room. Well, no, it was um, they found a, pl- a class M planet orbiting a T Tauri type star, which right. you're not, which is extremely unusual. Like the star itself wasn't unusual, but protocol or you know, orders demand that they go investigate. And so, right this right. minute, I mean, well, I think they were be- passing by, weren't they? Basically, they were going, yeah. I mean, they, they, they found it out kind of on extended sensors and want to go in to look closer. Well, yeah. So, I mean, unless they're 
racing somewhere at warp 9.8, they're going to be cruising past this thing for a while if it's on long range sensors. Right, right. I su- yeah, I mean, it's, it's just sounds, a minor, minor so flaw much, in the writing. Yeah, it sounds so much more urgent that, oh, the captain must get to the bridge immediately. Of course, having right. time to go back and change first. Well, that yeah. always happens, doesn't it? They, whenever anyone's on the holodeck, they get called somewhere. It's a red alert. And then they, they do the uh, they go through the Batman uh, pull slide and they show up in their <laughs> uniform. Uh, they really, it's like Superman. They actually have their uniform on underneath the suit. So he just rips the suit off and there's the uniform. A, it's a holographic uniform that disintegrates when they walk out of the holodeck. There you go. There you go. The, uh, the Dixon Hill. Yeah. See, I don't understand why they, well, never mind. Well, that's, that's a whole nother discussion about the holodeck, but yes. Um, so they, they approach this nebula with this star, with this planet and a, uh, a wormhole shows up an unstable wormhole. Um, which then disappears and flings the the starship uh, half a parsec away and knocks everybody unconscious um, except for Data. And then mm-hmm. as as we come back from the opening, because that's the teaser. Now we have the the, the opening of the show. Uh, everyone wakes up and the Data tells them, "Oh, you only been unconscious for thirty seconds." Um, and so. Uh, Picard has them, you know, he says, well, you know, maybe we should, we need to go back and check out what happened and what's going on. And data dissuades them. Maybe we should launch a probe. Okay. Launch a probe. We get the probe out there and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. We get this, oh, it really isn't a class M planet. It's this other kind of planet. That's totally not the type of thing we need to see. We should move on. There's, there's nothing to see here (laughs) doing the Jedi mind tricks, you know, (laughs) I know if only they had some Jedi on board, this would have worked a lot better. Um, so, but we, we get these clues that get, that, um, we, we see, uh, we see Worf cradling his wrist suspiciously throughout this episode. Uh, now, and he does this right from the very beginning. I don't know if you noticed this, but, uh, standing Mm -hmm. behind Picard and Riker up at his uh, little console, he's holding his wrist sort of looks funny. Um, and then we, we get the. Uh, Dr. Crusher's uh, rapidly uh, growing moss that the yeah shouldn't have shown a full day's growth. That's the first it, big clue. And Data would be all like, this isn't the Diomedean scarlet moss you're looking for. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Uh, oh, it's, it must be some rapid growing version of it. Yeah, sure. No, no. I, <laughs> I have I have an, an explanation for why that could not possibly be so. Um and then Data offers this like ridiculous, obscure theory that nobody buys. And then Picard does this most obvious, like, I needed a way to get rid of Data. Like, sort of, yeah. hey, somebody needs some help with something down on Deck 36. Um, hey, make sure when he gets down there that they're expecting him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> like, uh, hope, I hope that guy, like, didn't go, oh, I don't need you for nothing. What do I need you for? Um, and then... Uh, I, I like how he asked Jordy, you know, give me your opinion. Did you buy any of that? And Jordy's like, not for a minute. I'm amazed he even proposed it. <laughs> I know. That was, yeah, exactly. That was such baloney. That was, a, that was crazy. Well, you couldn't come up with uh, a better explanation on the spot. Uh, one, of, one of the things this episode reveals is Data is a terrible liar. Yes. I mean, yeah. even after they start to confront him about it, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. You know, well, here's one possibility. And he's, <laughs> he's just a terrible liar. Yeah. I mean, he's got a poker face mostly all the time, but it's a suspicious poker face. Like, it's so yeah. blank that like something's going on. <laughs> 
Well, and just the substance of what he comes back with, it just mm-hmm. invites more suspicion. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like you'd have to be blind and deaf to not catch what that that something is up with data in this instance. And we oh, keep yeah, getting that, these clues. And I think that I think that actually is it was good writing on the part of the uh, the the author, the 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 writers, you know, where instead of data just going, boy, that is strange. I wonder how that happened. Eh, must not be any big deal. Right. They, he had him where he just he kept floundering around. Well, one of the things that that uh, I, that uh, I was watching this with with Melanie and she, she said, you know, if they were out for 24 hours, as we're beginning to, sus- to suspect by this point, like, wouldn't their beards have grown? Wouldn't they be starving? Like, wouldn't they be hungry? Which, of course, they explicitly mentioned. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, so they, and- did, did Data run around shaving everybody <laughs> quickly before, uh, you know, they, they woke up? I don't know. But uh but but it is nice that actually that they did they did have Jordy come right up and say you know that uh, the, Why to didn't bring our that beards up. Grow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and the answer being they were all in biochemical stasis, which would also explain why they weren't hungry or thirsty yep. or had had didn't you know didn't have other physical needs because biologically they were in stasis the whole time. Now yep. perhaps they address this, but I quickly with some of the uh, the trick the technology talk. But if they were out for 24 hours, wouldn't they be out of sync with Starfleet and the rest of the galaxy? That the data would, did the uh, well, the, the, the wormhole affected our time, time, yeah. space, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. we just resync with the nearest star base and life is good. So we've and lost that is one of the complaints I have with this episode, though, yeah. is eventually you would think at some point somebody would re- be reviewing the logs of the Enterprise D and going, wait a second, there's a three-day period here, because, of course, they did this twice. Right. There's a three-day period here where the Enterprise is out of sync with us. What's going on here? Something happened. I, I think that that's taken care of by the fact that when they try this, data manipulates the Enterprise's internal clocks. And so there wouldn't be a record of the time period that they're out of but, communication. But so going the, over the logs wouldn't help. Well, but, but it, problem, it would show though, the logs that they're out of sync. Three, yeah, the, the logs would have a three-day blank period. Or be behind by three no days. no logs being made at all. But then that would be explained by the wormhole. Right. Because it's like, we just came out of this wormhole. That's why there's, that's why we, there's a three-day inconsistency with the Federation time base. Right. That the, Fair enough. The, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. You have to buy that the wormhole would 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 mess with the with the time, and that no one could figure out that no one would go study. Hey, this wormhole that could make us lose three days. We should go study that. <laughs> we're, we're getting into Doctor Who Wibbly Wimbly Wibbly Wimbly Timey Wimey. Yes. Although the the fact, well, they do talk about at the end. Let's send a let's send a hazard warning over this area so people are don't go mess with the right. wormhole. Right. Um, there was there was a nice moment where uh, Picard asked it, could someone have tampered you, with you without you knowing? And he's not able to answer that because how would he know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, maybe they can. I don't know if In they tampered with me. Know. I wouldn't yeah. know. <laughs> um, and, and this is really where kind of the episode turns is where Picard starts to directly confront Data and yes. say, what's going on? You've been blocking every attempt we you know one way or another every attempt we've been making to figure out what happened here and and data um you know tries to evade several different ways and picard and picard does has some interesting tactics 
before he gets up to the point of giving data a direct order, he'll ask for like explanations and then he'll he turns things around and says, well, if you were in my position, what would you do in this situation? Right. right. And um, and data says, well, you know, I, I appear to have committed all these, you know, crimes and violations of regulations. Your duty seems clear. And he doesn't say it. And I didn't like this piece of the writing. He should have said, you should court martial me. Um, but Picard, that is what he's thinking, because Picard mm-hmm. then says, do you know what a court martial would mean? Your right. Starfleet career would be over and you would probably be stripped down to your wires to find out what happened. Right. And um, and so we get some we get some interesting stakes on the table at this point. You know, that kind of goes. I, now I, I want to know did, whether this episode occurred before or after the episode where we sort of declared whether Data is a person or not. Remember, they had that episode where he's on yeah. trial for his life. And I don't remember. That, that episode was the measure of a man. I think it was earlier than that, this. That's what I thought. Which would I, th- I thought that was first or second season. I yeah. think that was pretty early on. So that that raises some interesting rights quest sentient rights questions yeah. for it data. It was sec- second season. You know, if he is a sentient being with all the rights that any of human or Vulcan or Andorian has, the the idea that not only would you be court martialed, but they would disassemble you to find out what went wrong. Right. That's like saying, and then we're, you know, you're, you're been to a human, we're going to court martial you. Then we're going to dissect you to find out why your brain made you do what you did. <laughs> I mean, that seems to be that, that seems to be problematic. Yeah. And, and, and Picard doesn't say that will happen. He raises it as a possibility one uh, there one can rationalize that several different ways i mean one of them is well being an android they can strip him down to his wires and then put him back together again exactly so well, it would be that. the equivalent of an intensive investigation uh to find out what happened and one could also say if he's been compromised in this way you know such that something other than him is interfering then he's not acting as a responsible agent with rights anymore he's a compromised machine that needs to be investigated to find mm-hmm. out what will happen with this technology in the future which then kind of mitigates against the the claim that he has should have all the same rights to personal yeah. inviolability well, well that was always stupid <laughs> data, is, data is a toaster <laughs> so we, stay tuned for our discussion of measure of a man folks because that, that'll be a good one <laughs> yeah. so um in the in the four seasons that we've had uh, deanna troy on board we've we've progressed a little bit in her character development but still we get her wincing in pain at various uh <laughs> unseen promptings um uh, as as i said uh, when she winces is there something wrong diana it's as if a million voices cried out at once and were silenced (laughs) (laughs) it looked very much like obi-wan there uh going on but uh but we did so we still get some of that uh we at this point still with her we're still getting this yeah the diana is the emotional center yeah at at least in this episode she get something useful to do by becoming possessed woman. And, right. and, you know, so, so I, I was happy for her for that. Um, you know, normally we have this, a lot of Deanna Troy stuff is kind of painful because as a character, she wasn't very well thought out. And mm-hmm. I've made the point before that 
lying is not an emotion, so she shouldn't be able to detect it if she's an empath. So she doesn't need to vanish from the bridge every time someone is telling Captain Picard a lie. Um, (laughs) But she's she's like the inconsistent sonic screwdriver. Her her abilities work whenever uh, the plot requires them to. And whenever they would work too well, then the plot requires her not to have them available or for her not to be on the bridge. Darn that that darn that half human side that she has. <laughs> well, so I mean, are we assuming that the reason that the that she is the conduit for these aliens is because of her empathic telepathic nature? Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. it, I assume it's because she's the most telepathic crew member. So she was the easiest person for the for the Paxons to to use as a communicator. OK. And so data you know, he's very solidly sticks to his story the whole way through, right up to the point where um, the alien Indian shows, yeah, yeah, shows up on the bridge, and then he just shifts gears like, okay, that we're done with playing playing that game. Where now I can reveal to you exactly what happened, uh, and and he basically tells um, the truth of you know we need to we need to um, we need to get out of get here. Out we, of need, here. we need to fix this, um, and. It, it, I found it interesting. the 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 solution was as, as once Picard understood and Riker understood, there was okay. We have to figure out a way for us to forget again. Like there was never mm-hmm. a case of, you know, w- we need to find a way to defeat the Paxons or defeat their technology or resist them in some way that we have oh. some some right to, I- you know, or some that they had some innate disturbance with the idea of having their memories messed with. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say that you were surprised that Captain Picard didn't say, oh, wow, you're right. Now that this didn't work, the prime directive requires that we allow you to kill us all. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have to die. You're right. Right. Well, then, right. There's, that's the, the other problem with the prime directive. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that they didn't react against this idea that somehow they need to be um, that that there's that they have in some ways an obligation to to the truth, to preserving the reality or to hmm. to the personal, uh, you know, inviolability of their, not only of their own memories, but of their obligations to Starfleet to to, right. to this information. Well, so I, I yeah. And I part of this may be running time issues because right. they couldn't really stop to have a big debate about this. But um, I I think that. Picard's I think this is being driven by the prime directive because Picard alludes to the um, the right to privacy that the Paxons have as Mm -hmm. racial xenophobes. And so and certainly they're a foreign power and he would he would even without the prime directive, he would be um, he would be negotiating with a foreign power without federation authorization mm. um to propose that he take knowledge back to the federation of them yeah and that would that it, it, it i think the federation council would look at the situation and say he made the right decision if somehow this came out later they would say no you did the right thing this is what you should have done is let your memories be wiped and then if at some future point we make contact with these people and are able to establish a relationship with them. It won't be marred by you having subverted the initial relationship and their initial desire for privacy. Um, 
So, uh, so I think he made the right call in terms of just federate on a federation policy level. Right. And we have to hope that whatever warning beacon they put out there does not malfunction, doesn't that it stay that it keeps people away because it could lead to people getting killed if it didn't. That's yeah. That's one of the concerns. Although most of them probably don't have an Android with a positronic brain on, on their ship. Well, that's, (laughs) I do kind of think the the ending was sloppy Mm -hmm. because basically the solution was, well, let's do the same exact thing. Just make less mistakes this time. Right. With the assumption that you can fix every problem, you know, everything that came up. They they don't have to fix everything. Well, they need to fix enough that they don't return again. Right. And and they didn't fix everything because <clears throat> Picard immediately says, let's turn around and go look at this. And Data has to patch that by saying, oh, why don't we just send a probe? Right. Which they then do. So, you know, so they just need to get enough right that it made sense to me that, OK, let's treat this as a shakedown voyage and hammer the bugs yeah. out of the system and do it again. Right. Right. Oh, and I, the, the Paxson seemed very uh, forgiving, frankly, right there. The uh, you're a most unusual species worthy of a second chance. Proceed. Like, all of a sudden, yeah, we're, yeah. we're OK, okay with you good. now. <laughs> for for uh, for for homicidal uh xenophobic paranoids they are remarkably accommodating <laughs> exactly well, well the fact I mean, that they give them a first chance at all without just blowing them out of the sky to begin with i mean hey that's actually they, that's actually show, you know this shows that they they actually have a some morality that they have a sense mm-hmm. of right and wrong and that we you know we may be xenophobes we don't just destroy people we we'd like to send them on their way or what we, what we want to be yeah. left alone but we also are, aren't gonna you know do anything to you right so uh, to, to that degree I'm, I'm okay with that um i i do like at the ending the final shot of the episode where we're focusing in on data and he's just looking forward at his station at the view screen and we know the audience what he knows right which is everything that just happened but none of the other characters in the show know it. And so we and data of everyone in the Star Trek universe share knowledge that nobody else in the Federation has. And right. that's kind of a neat feeling. I did like that. That's uh, that idea that uh, that yeah, only data remembers and and mm-hmm. and he carries that with him, uh, presumably to the end of Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> yeah. Now or even beyond yeah. or uh, before. Yes. <laughs> um, the the thing that I don't get, and this is, I guess, one of the conceits of the episode. But so Data has this has a brain that is easier to manipulate than ours. I mean, just look at all those big blinking lights on it and wires. Why <laughs> and wires? Why can't the Paxons just delete his memory like they were like they did from the Enterprise <laughs> computer? Well, they needed him to do it apparently, or or did no? They needed him to nope. mess with the time program is what it was but even then that's really make work for data because what their plan was was you disable everybody on the ship you board the ship you rewrite whatever you need to so that it looks like there's been no time gap and then you throw them half half a parsec away um and and so they had the and data makes the point they have the ability to manipulate matter on many levels and they were apparently going to board the ship before data woke everybody up and make all of these changes themselves. That's true. Mm. That's true. Uh, yeah, that is a, uh, a small hole. 
but uh but you know you can't get these perfect so was did you guys have any other uh notes on this episode you want to bring up uh that i didn't uh, share nope. yeah i mean it's a pretty it's a it's a fun little you know mystery yeah. uh, straightforward episode yeah i mean yeah. it's been a long time since i watched this the you know the last time so um it took me a while to remember exactly what was going on and it was so it's fun to kind of approach it from the perspective of what's going on here and what's the mystery and how does it all work yeah. and, and there's a there's a there's a nice little mystery in this one so that's good so we have a little bit of feedback uh we on our uh episode on star trek the motion picture uh our, we have our listener Les hammer uh, wrote on facebook uh very simply said my friends call this uh not star trek the motion picture star trek the motion sickness <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> which uh, works, works on a couple levels i suppose uh james Dahl- I, I was i thought he was going to say star trek the unmotion picture because of how <laughs> slow it is yeah, yeah. the motionless picture <laughs> yeah. so uh james dollard uh commented on youtube he says uh, i was a, a tos fan from back in the 60s i so looked forward to enjoying this film when it first came out when i was in college i enjoyed watching the reveal when we first saw the ship i really wanted to like this film then I fell asleep in the theater. <laughs> yeah. But they finally <laughs> redeemed themselves with Wrath of Khan. Yes, uh, Wrath of Khan. Many mm-hmm. people say Wrath of Khan is their favorite uh, Star Trek film. Um, and uh, it's hard to, hard to disagree with that. Uh, Certainly one of the best three. Yes, yep. yes. In the top three. So uh, that, that's it for our feedback. And that's it from us uh, this week. So what, uh, folks, what did you think of this Star Trek The Next Generation episode called Clues? Uh, let us know and let us know what you think of what we had to say about it by going to sqpn.com slash Trek or the SQPN Facebook page and uh, find the link to this episode and leave some feedback there. Or you can send us an email to Trek at sqpn.com and you find links to our relevant to our discussion on our show notes at sqpn.com. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing let me get this straight the season two three part opener for deep space nine so (laughs) the beginning of of season two of deep space nine had three episodes that were a an arc called the homecoming the circle and the siege uh we're probably going to cover that in two episodes uh folks so part one and a part two because it'll so season two three part opening ds9 in two episodes (laughs) exactly i think all that math works (laughs) somehow that adds up to uh star trek uh secrets of star trek so until then uh father Corey stika thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of star trek oh thank you dom jimmy aiken thank you as well Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, to many humans, a mystery is irresistible. It must be solved. <laughs>